Arizona Sports. Kevin Durant. Watch. The latest on KD to the Suns with Burns and Gambo. Church throws are good. And the Delaware Destroyers. Bad to the bone. Right? Yeah, good tune. Is that why you chose them? It's Delaware. It's not really well, Philadelphia, but... You're the one who told them Delaware. That was your idea. Yeah, I was asking, but it's close. Like, they're this right next to the each Philly other. This was the Philly-led segment. I've got the pick that'll come later. Oh, I thought I just assumed this was the Philly music we were going for. With no, this is just me being a really awesome producer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good okay. music. I, I, thought this was, I thought this was the uh, yeah, uh, Philly-based music because it's Shorts Thoroughgood and the Delaware Destroyers. That's right. George Thurgood. Is he, like, what was the last, is, he even, is he even alive still? Uh, I remember we were promoting one of his concerts a couple years ago on the oh, station. Okay. I, I don't know if that means he's still with us or not. Yeah, I, still around. Is he still around? Okay. Yeah. 72 years old. There he goes. <laughs> with those rock and roll stars from the 60s and 70s and 80s, you kind of have to hold your breath a little bit. Just not sure. Man, some of them do last a long time. Some of them do. Some of them do. With all the drugs that they did? <laughs> we wonder how. Not that we're implying anything about George, because we don't know, oh. but, but, you know, we're, we're just not sure. Bad to the bone. Um, Kevin Durant. The latest on Kevin Durant is simply this. He uh, He's going to be expensive. Yes. <laughs> and he's got financial yeah. incentive to sit if that's what he chooses to do. Oh, this is and, interesting. And maybe the most interesting story of the day, if you're, if you're, okay, so yesterday, just quick background on this real quick, right. and then we'll tell everybody what's going on. Yesterday, we had mentioned Dan Bickley's column in which he suggested, hey, if Kevin Durant really wants to get to the Suns or get out, he might have to take it to another level. He might have to not go to camp or he might have to go to camp and yell at coaches and yell at players and just be even a double down jerk when he gets there to really force his way out of town. Because right now, the Nets might be saying, yeah, we're not going to trade you. We believe in our coach. We believe in our GM. And that's that. Do whatever you're going to do, but we're not doing anything with you. And then for Durant to get out, he might have to really go force the issue by either not showing up for camp or by showing up for camp and being a total jerk face when he gets there. And a lot of guys choose that way because that way you don't get fined and lose a lot of money. He's got financial incentive to not show up. According to Mark Stein, one of our friends who um, reports on his website, the day after KD requested a trade, he picked up a check. For ten and a half million dollars, he'll get another ten and a half million dollars six days into training camp on October first. Most NBA players don't start collecting their annual salaries until the season starts, but league sources tell Stein that Durant's latest deal included the most aggressive early payment schedule allowed by league rules. He is going to get half of his near forty-three million dollar salary by October first, and he already has. Ten and a half of it in the bank, and he got it the day yeah. after he asked the Nets for a trade. So the Stein story story says that if he decides to stay at home after October first, he won't have to worry about getting paid till midway through the season, not far from the trade deadline, about a month later. The remainder of his contract will be paid out biweekly. They say, bottom line, there's no financial disincentive for Durant not to show up. He'll have twenty one and a half million already in the bank. So any fines the Nets might assess him. 
him won't get paid out until after the season's midpoint. He could still be fined yep. and lose that money. It's just not going to come right away. Yeah, it's just money that he's not, he wouldn't right. be receiving until halfway through the season. Like, he's already got a big chunk of change. Not that Kevin Durant needs to worry about counting pennies to prepare himself for a holdout. That's what I was just going to say. He doesn't need to. I, this guy's made so much money in his career. Let me just see what his estimated career earnings are to this point. So to this point, he's made $495 million. Oh, he's projected to make 495. He's made 306 million to this point. Okay. He's made 300 million dollars. Yeah. Like does that really matter like what day he gets paid on? Listen, we I always say this, right? When you have blank you money, you have blank you money. Like Kevin Durant doesn't have to be like he doesn't have to wait for a check to I have blank you money. For the October first check to like yes, he's made three hundred and six million dollars last year. He made forty. The year before that, thirty seven. The year before that, thirty seven. The year before that, thirty. The year before that, twenty five. The year before that, twenty six. You see what I'm saying? I do. Like I don't like. I understand what Mark Stein has said. So listen, it's a great story. Kevin Durant has a really odd contract. He gets paid in advance, unlike everybody else. Okay, I get it. But what does it matter? Like, I'm being, being honest, I'm, it, I'm, it should, what does it matter? It, it shouldn't matter. It, 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 I, I really, I, I find it highly unlikely that Kevin Durant, yeah. at the time he was structuring this deal, was doing it with the idea of, okay, when I hold out a year from now, I want yeah. to structure the deal so I'm already paid by the time I'm not showing up to camp, so I've got that money in the bank. I mean, I, I, have I don't a, think that if he has a mortgage on his whatever whatever piece of property he has, they come to him, hey, um, a little behind on your payment, yeah, got it, man, I'm I'm holding out right now. They're fine to me. Just give me a few weeks. I'll, I'll get you the payment. I promise. I'll get it to you. I, like that's not happening. So why do it? Why do what? Why why structure your contract like this if you don't have to worry about why, money? Why, why not? Why not? I mean, I, most guys don't. So what? I because you can. That's it. I mean, you can. I mean, your agent probably helped you handle that, right? I mean, you're, you're not. I don't think you're thinking like that. I want this money in advance. I want it now. I mean, unless there's got to like, be a reason. There's there's got to be some motivation for him to do it. I, surely, and I think more than anything, I, honestly, if we had Mark in here right now, I'm sure what Mark Stein would tell us is, look, I, I don't think he was preparing himself for a holdout. I think I, I think more than anything, it's just the audacity of, hey, on this day I'm going to ask for a trade, and on the next day, you owe me $10 million. As if it's a, here's one middle finger, here's another middle finger. I don't know what the motivation to do the contract that was, that that way it is. I mean, it's just, you get, you, you know, that money's coming to you, you get it earlier. I mean, look, it's like Kevin Durant basically hit the lottery, and, you know, he gets, do I want a lump sum, or do I want it spread out over equal parts? Yeah, but, but you know, I'm thinking about this in a brand new way now. Okay, I, I don't know what the reason was, and I think you're right. $300 million that he's made, it's not like he needs this money to be able to afford a holdout. He doesn't. I do think, though, in some ways, it's another Kevin Durant warning sign. You know, it's another one of those, okay, you be real sure if you want to go into business with this guy. Be real sure about it if you're the Celtics, if you're the Sixers, if you're the Suns, if you're the Raptors, if you're the Heat, right? There's Ke- Kevin Durant has not, the way this week has gone, and I'll be the first to admit, I think this is kind of how it had to go for him to get out, but the reaction to how he's handled himself this week, and now adding on this story, uh, you know, he demands a trade on a Thursday and he gets paid on a Friday, $10 million, this week has not been a good week week for the look of Kevin Durant. I think we can all agree on that. He's been 
getting ripped up and down. Mad Dog Russo. Yeah. Kendrick Perkins. Kendrick Perkins. Jay Williams. I mean, just go He's on. He's never seemed to be one that cares, although he does fight back with people on like social sure. media quite a bit. Sure. It's just a, it's sort of another one of those, okay, you sure you want to you wanna do this with this guy? You sure you want to? If you're the sons. You're dancing with the devil? Yeah, I think you're making a deal with the devil. Now... It, if you win a championship, you'll say it's worth it. If you, but if you don't, you know who knows what kind of damage he's going to create on his way out. If you don't, he he does this, he does stuff like this. That's my number one takeaway from the story. Now that I think about it, it's not lockout insurance. It's just kind of the how dare you, how dare you ask for a trade and then get ten and a half million dollars of our money the next day. That's not cool, man. That's not cool at all. How dare you do that? I don't know. It's it's just this is not. Been a great week for Kevin Durant. I mean, he man, he does he. I I think in some ways he does care. And I just went to look because I always remember him arguing with people on Twitter just a couple of days ago. Some guys like, unlike Kevin Durant, I actually enjoy taking the hardest road. It's basically just problem solving. He's like, you enjoy having that crappy car and getting to work and not being able to connect to the internet like he just like he likes to go at people like yeah. that he likes to so I do think he kind of takes it a little personal with you know with people that attack him all right when we come back here on Burns and Gambo tomorrow preseason game number one we'll preview the matchup and talk about all things Cardinals with our guy who's been out there just about every day of camp so far Tyler Drake he'll join us next on the Burns and Gambo show camp takeoff 2022 is a go Presented by 72 Sold and Kona Brewing, Burns and Gambo on 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Preseason begins tomorrow, 4.30 in the afternoon. They're taking on the Cincinnati Bengals or the Arizona Cardinals. Of course, you'll hear it here, 98.7 FM. Arizona Sports Station, three preseason games down from the usual four that we're used to. That's a permanent change now moving forward. And, of course, training camp still has a week left out at State Farm Stadium. But now we're to the portion of the camp that's closed to the public. So none of the practices will be open. But I have a feeling our guy will be there. And, of course, by our Guy Gambo. I'm referring to our Cardinals specific reporter on ArizonaSports.com. Tyler Drake here joins us on the Burns and Gamble Show. What's going on, Tyler? How what you is doing? going on? It's good to be back in the uh, in the studio. What are you looking forward to the most tomorrow? What are you with everything you've seen at camp, knowing who's not going to play, who's not available? What what do your eyes kind of go towards tomorrow night? Uh, you know, for me, I think it's going to be Eno Benjamin getting the start. Uh, it's really going to be his game to really show what he's done this training camp. He's been the talk of the town this whole camp, this whole offseason really, and now we get to see him unimpeded with no one else in front of him to see really what he can do. Obviously it's preseason, but still a good first glimpse of you know his progression. Yeah, I think there's a real battle there for two and three. I think that really is. And what I've been told is that, you know, Eno uh, has grown up a lot. He is their most dynamic, explosive natural runner. That Darrell Williams is not flashy, but real versatile in the run game, real versatile in the past games, so very consistent, but with the, from pure explosiveness, Eno gives them that and Daryl doesn't. So that could be an edge for Eno. 
Yeah, yeah, and I and I think we've seen that at camp because when you look at it, Eno has had a highlight reel type catch run every single practice. It seems like where Daryl, like Gambo, what you said is, you know, he's sturdy, he's there, he's doing what he's supposed to do, but he's not giving that wow factor that you know I think a lot of us kind of thought when he first signed over here, coming from Kansas City and having the career that he had with them. I had to laugh at one of your tweets yesterday, day before. I think I even took a screenshot of it. Okay, here's your daily. Greg Dortch just ran by everybody. Oh, yeah. And made a play tweet of the day. It seems yeah. like every day you said you're sending one of those out. I would imagine for a guy like him, granted he's an he's entirely different type of receiver than a guy like Antoine Wesley, but for a guy like him, these preseason games very much matter for him and his ability to make this roster. Yeah, 100%. And it's just almost like, you know, it's it's now it's kind of putting it together under the lights. I think Cliff is, Cliff and the rest of the team is really interested to see what this guy can do because, I mean, it's me and, uh, me and uh, colleague Alex Alex Weiner, we we have talked every day about how good Greg Dortch is looking this year, and it's just he's making the most of his opportunities with other guys either resting or, or dealing with an injury, and that's really what training camp's about is making the most of those opportunities and really showing what you can bring to the table after you know he after a decent year last year for him. Yeah, I've also heard that they've liked some of the things that Victor Bolden has done yeah. as well. So I would I would. I would imagine that Dorch is is ahead of Bolden, but I've been I think they've been impressed by what Bolden has brought to the table. You just have to wonder what either one of those guys when it comes time to the actual season. Like what? Okay, the, the, August is the time of year for the Greg Dorches of the world, yes. for the Victor Boldens of the world. Yes. You're at, the translation is September. The translation to October. Yeah, they're not going to break the top four. I, I'm right, right. What's the like? What's the most they can achieve? Fifth, fifth wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. The fifth wide receiver with Wesley out. That's the best you could do is your number five guy. Yep. You're not going to top the top four. And I understand, Tyler, that's a that's a position to be desired. That's something you want to go. But you, we, it's like the trap we fall into every yeah. year of, oh, man, this guys look great in camp. Yeah, he's look great in camp. What does that mean, though? You know, what is it going to mean for a guy like Greg Dorsch or Victor Bolden? And, and the reality is probably not a whole lot outside of special teams unless some absolute disaster strikes. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's kind of the reason why I put Eno as the guy that I'm most interested to watch because I think he's going to just have a vital piece in this offense uh, moving forward, whereas Greg Dorch, it might be an injury, it might be maybe poor play from somebody else to get him thrusted up into that next role, but yeah, I mean, he, he's put on a solid camp. He's he's definitely looked a lot better, and, and Victor Bolden, he for a guy that's coming in you know, relatively new with the system and everything, he's picked it up. He's had some really, really solid plays out there, so uh, it'll be definitely something to watch. It'll be fun to watch, for sure, for the preseason, just because of all these guys are, are burners. We were going to talk about Zach Ertz and just what his, you know, how much usage he's going to get. There was a, a, a column that Burns you saw about just how many re- receptions he may get this year. I mean, imagine that he's going to get targeted a lot. It's a full season now instead of a partial season for him. Um, and Max Williams is, is going to be you know a little bit slower to recover, and he's more of a blocker. But I do think if Trey McBride can, can get in there and show something, he's going to get a lot of reps too. So you've got two really quality tight ends that can both catch the ball. Yeah, yeah. And Trey McBride, man, if, when he's on the field, he is smooth. He, if he can get up to speed and, and really get an NFL game down and understand, you know, the ins and outs of playing an NFL game, I think he could be a really, really big piece of this offense. But, you know, the thing that stuck out is he's had a lot of rest days in training camp. He's had a sore back. He's not even going to really, I don't, from what Cliff has told us, he's not going to play in this first preseason game, even though they wanted to get him under the lights, get his first preseason, you know, NFL game debut, get it out of the way. So now that's going to go to Baltimore. So that's certainly something to watch moving forward. But yeah, when he's on it, he's he looks like he could be the real deal. A minor suggestion 
in that maybe that there's an issue there that that might linger that might be a concern is that kind of what you're what you're was, hitting at yeah it's just it's for a rookie i mean i obviously he's gotten a lot of reps they they clearly want him to be more integrated in this offense but at the same time for a rookie to take that many those many re- that many rest days is something to keep your eye on and for cliff to say you know sore back that's some, definitely something to keep an eye on well, this early let's talk about cornerback cuz i continue to hear that they will make a trade for a cornerback, that that is the likely scenario is that they're going to have to pull off a trade because the guys sitting at home on their couch right now, they're just not good. The guys that they have coming in to work out, they're average at best. That the way to get to the way to get a cornerback that can actually help them is to do it via trade. So I am watching that very closely. I think that's going to be the avenue they take. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be the the right avenue to go down. I think with just the additions they've had this offseason, it doesn't sound like there's really that guy that separated himself. And Marco Wilson is is unfortunately for I think everybody kind of thought is in that uh, discussion too. It just with the way Cliff's talked about him, it could just be a coaching tactic to you know kick his butt into gear a little bit. More, but at the same time, saying the jury's still out on him being an every down starter when I think a lot of us pegged him as an every down starter going into training camp. Definitely something to watch moving forward, and this will be a big game for him too because he's going to be a starter basically. But I think we would all, I mean, everybody would acknowledge at this point they have to do something they have with that. To. They, they will have to. Yeah. Guaranteed. Right? They like, will. It's, like it's almost to the point where they have to do more than one something at the position. Like we, DeAndre Baker, we saw they had him in for mm-hmm. a workout a couple of days ago, and, and and, I mean, Gambo's been talking about the idea of a trade for a while now, but it seems like at this point the position just feels so paper thin, especially yep. if Marco's being semi-called out by the coach. Mm-hmm. I don't know if one addition's going to be enough at this point for that cornerback room. No, and I think another thing to look at is rookie Christian Matthew. That was a guy that Cliff talked about. He wants to see how he does uh, tomorrow. So that'll definitely be something else. You know, cornerback, obviously rookie. There's a lot of uh, a lot of bad and a lot of good that, co- that and some good that come out of that. That, but also, yeah, you just you've got to look at another option because right now it sounds like Byron Murphy, Antonio Hamilton, and then Marco Wilson is your three. All right, leave us with this uh, from the pass rushing position: Dennis Gardeck going to be one of the few starters who's supposed to play tomorrow. Yep. But we would imagine a lot of Majay Sanders, a lot of Cameron Thomas in tomorrow's game. Yeah. From your eye, where are you looking for the pass rush help? Because that's a big conversation when it comes to the guards. I think Majay has all of the intangibles to be that guy. It's just can he get to that? Can he get up to speed? with the NFL and, and everything that comes with it but he's got the dude is so just the length alone he can just get around the corner he's gonna I think he'll be really solid and the other good thing that I you know really saw on him is him and Dennis Gardeck are you know really picking each other's brains learning moves from one another so that's obviously good when you can get in there with a veteran and really start picking his brain and and yeah you know Cam Thomas he's more of the overpowering I'm gonna run through you type of guy and seeing those guys line up opposite of each other I hope happens in this game because that would be something very, very like everyone should be watching that part. Tyler, we appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for coming in, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, guys. All right, Tyler Drake. You can read his work on ArizonaSports.com. He covers the Cardinals every single day for us at ArizonaSports.com. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You'll never miss any of the show. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast. It is brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to Carol has thebuyers.com. That's carolhasthebuyers.com. When we come back, ASU has lost, obviously, plenty of significant players this past offseason. The new faces in the new places. How invested are we in them? We'll talk about that next. Burns and Gambo.
Diamondbacks have blown things open against the Pittsburgh Pirates. 8-3 now in the bottom of the seventh. They got a two-run double by Emmanuel Rivera. They got a ground out by Alec Thomas. Actually, it was the ground out that tied the game at 3-3. Rivera's double gave the Diamondbacks a 5-3 lead. And then Dalton Varsho, a bases-loaded, bases-clearing double wow. made it 8-3. Big inning. Big inning. And so the Diamondbacks are poised to take 3 of 4 from a not very good Pittsburgh Pirate team. But the Diamondbacks continue their good stretch of good baseball since the All-Star break. They lost last night. But winning this series here, they've played pretty well last night with one of those really odd plays at the end of the game that the double was, play and that was odd that you, was, might, uh, you, I, you watch the game obviously yeah yeah so I I think I, I got the impression that the runner and I can't I think it was Rivera if I remember right that he yes. when he went back to second I think when he saw the runner standing he didn't in put second, his foot on the bag he, he, he just for some reason he didn't that guy shouldn't have been standing there I think that threw him off yeah I think by that guy standing there at second base even though he was already out because he was out on the force play that started the, the the play in the first place I think by him standing there on the bag he confused Rivera like wait what are you standing there for you, sh- you right so he, he didn't was, put his foot on the bag and they tagged him out double play yeah so there's a force out at second and he didn't know it then he started to went to third, then he started to go back to second, but instead of just going back to second and getting on the bag, he kind of hesitated, and then they tagged him, and then he put his foot on the bag, double play. Bases loaded, nobody out, mm, and yeah. it, it turned into double play with, you know, runner at first, and only, you know, two out in the inning, and, and then that was that. So, yeah, they lost last night, but in a good position to win today in the bottom of the seventh, now up 9-3 against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Alright, the college football season is still a few weeks away, obviously, and it's going to be a very different look for ASU. We've spent a lot of time talking about Herm Edwards. We spent a lot of time talking about kind of the state of the program and what this season is going to look like. There's going to be another element to ASU fans watching college football yes. this year. Yeah. And I don't know how big of an element this is going to make up for our viewing experience. Fair. There are former Sun Devil players who are now scattered all over college football at some of the more prominent programs now in college football. I'll be really curious it's to like see. like Remy Martin with Kansas last year. Remy Martin in Kansas times like five. Winning winning it all. They won it all. I know. And, and I remember watching March Madness thinking, am I rooting for him? Am I not? I am think I... you decided that you were not rooting against him. I was not because rooting. He, he, he gave Arias you everything he had. And he transferred to Kansas. He won a national championship. Good for him. I wasn't rooting against him. Yeah. Will I feel the same okay. way about Jaden Daniels Jayden and LSU? Daniels. They did the 25 most important players in college football's playoff race. The 25 most important players, and two of them are former Sun Devils, Jaden Daniels. It says the ASU transfer is enmeshed in a four-way battle to become Brian Kelly's first starter at LSU. He probably has the highest upside of the bunch. Daniels is ungovernable among quarterbacks with at least 375 dropbacks. His 15% rate of scrambles per dropback was comfortably the most, but he's good at it. So it talks a lot about him. And uh, it says that LSU probably isn't going to contend for the SEC West, but with his overall athleticism, they can beat any single team on the schedule if he wins the job. So how closely are you going to pay attention to Jaden Daniels, who was supposed to be the next great ASU quarterback, and it never materialized? Honestly, closely. Closely. I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be closely following Jaden. Like, like yeah. okay, you give me a random Saturday, 
and I'm sitting around watching college football, and I stumble upon There's an four LSU games game. on. There's four There's different four games, games on. on, and LSU's one of them. And I stumble upon an LSU game, and I know Jaden Daniels is the starting quarterback yeah. that day. Yeah. So I want to know. I'm so, dialing in. So for me with Jaden Daniels, it's this. One, I don't think the kid's that good. Okay? Okay. So... I want to see, one, if that's true, if he's just not that good, or two, if he isn't, they just never got the most out of him. Did ASU have a supreme talent? I mean, LSU took him. Did LSU have a did, did ASU have a supremely talented quarterback, and they didn't develop him? They botched it. This kid, when he got here, we all thought this kid was going to be one of those special, special ASU quarterbacks. We thought he was going to transform the program. Take the program to places that they haven't been in a long time. It didn't, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen. So are are me and many others right that the kid's just not that good? Or is he really good and the blame goes to ASU for not developing So if he plays well, okay, this is an interesting dynamic now. If he plays well, I can see ASU fans rooting against Jaden Daniels because he left. But if he plays well, does it become more of an indictment on ASU? Yes. Do, do they do? Yes. Do ASU fans now look at it and go, "Oh man, you you left us high and dry. How could you do this?" Do they shift their anger away from Jaden Daniels for leaving to the Sun Devils for creating an environment in which he had to left for for creating an environment? What what do you have? Three offensive coordinators in his three years here? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, yes, he did. I think he had three OCs in his three. They were always looking for the right combination around him. They could never find it. Now, to be fair to them, man, that pandemic year, and I know it screwed up a lot of teams. It really screwed them up. They played what four games that year? It, it, it was it was just a I mess. I think it was four. I think they played four, three total. or four. It was a mess, and it was a mess for him. The fact that he was kind of wrapped up in the middle of the investigation with his mom and everything, and what she did potentially for the recruits with the plane tickets, allegedly, and all of that stuff. I don't know, man. You bring up a really good point. ASU fans might be more inclined to be more upset at ASU for letting him leave than for Jaden Daniels actually yeah. leaving. Let's go to number 11. USC's Eric Gentry says it's almost heartening to see that this week's preseason coaches poll didn't did not include USC. Lincoln Riley's Trojans were among the top five when it comes to national title betting odds this offseason. And it talks about while uh, Caleb Williams and company will probably not need long to turn USC's offense around, the defense is far less proven. Among others, the Trojans will need a huge, huge season from Gentry, a sophomore who was Arizona State's steadiest defender late last season. ASU got this kid. He was a two-star recruit. He was a two-star recruit when they got him. They built him up so much so to where he got a, a, a big NIL deal to go play at USC. But you know what? Uh, okay, and and that's a little different for me because that's USC, all right? Man, look at the program some of these players went to for ASU. Florida, Oklahoma, USC, Ohio State, LSU, right? right? You've think about the odds you've got on a Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, of turning on a high profile college football game. Yeah. And watching a guy who left. 
watching it. Now, I imagine there's a lot of programs who can say the same thing about the transfer portal. Man, it's, it's hurt a bunch of guys, right? Hurt a bunch of teams. A bunch of teams have lost a bunch of guys because of the transfer portal. But I think given the unique situation that ASU's in, there is going to be a real sense. You turn in a USC game, are you going to watch Eric Gentry? Are you going to evaluate? I think Jaden Daniels is easier because he's the quarterback. You know, you're going to just naturally pay attention to him a little bit more. Chip Trainum at Ohio State. I think we might pay attention to him a little bit because yeah. it's Ohio State and because it's kind of a premier Ricky position at Florida. Yeah. I mean, there's another guy, premier player, premier program. How much at you? We know these guys got paid to leave. I would expect there's an expectation that yeah. they're going to go to these programs well, but, but, and make a big impact. To the, to the other extent, right? We talk about not developing Jaden Daniels, but they did develop Gentry. Yeah. Gentry was a two-star recruit. The only team that really wanted him was Temple. He comes to ASU. They, they think he's a diamond in the rough. They build him up, and he and he turns into a player that USC wants to give a ton of You know, USC's NIL deal, they want to give him a ton of money. He ends up leaving. When we come back, the league's most decorated quarterback is taking an unusually phrased leave of absence. Is there something else we should think about what's going on here? Plus, a former Sun Devil continues to struggle to get his NFL career going. That and more next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. We know there's not something horrific happening with Tom Brady. He is fine, I'm told. Uh, personal issue is probably the best way to describe it. And, you know, if you're Tom Brady, Sarah, and you've been in the league for 20-something, what is it, 23 years now, seen a lot of football, you've been in a lot of training camps, you know this offense. The weird offseason for Tom Brady just got a little bit weird yeah. today. And no one's quite sure what it means. No excuse from Bucks practice again. Plans extended break. Bowl says he has pretty high level of confidence that he'll start the season opener versus the Cowboys. Um, but like the story by Rick Stroud in the Tampa Tribune, mm-hmm. something besides playing quarterback has become more important to Tom Brady. He was excused from practice practice for the second time in a week for personal reasons. He was never slated to play in Saturday's game against Miami. Uh, but they still feel like he is going to rejoin the team and you know be able to start their season opener. But he said he's going to deal. He's Bowl said he's going to deal with some personal things. This is something we talked about before training camp started. So kind of making it seem like they kind of knew that this was the plan. Says we allotted this time because he wanted to get in and get chemistry with the guys, get two weeks of training camp, knowing he wasn't going to play the first two games. Todd Bowles. Okay, in addition to all of that. There's like a date he put on it. He said Tom Brady won't be back with the Bucks until after the Titans preseason game. That's on August 20th. That's like 10 days away. Okay, so it's not just a day off, a couple of days off, a few days off. Take like a week and a half yeah. off in the middle of training camp. And I want to go back to something you said. Because Bowles said his confidence is, quote, pretty high close quote, that Brady will be the Bucks' quarterback. Um, here's, here's, here's Todd Bowles today. Tom has been excused today. He will be taken anywhere. He'll be back sometime around after Tennessee. He's going to deal with some personal things. This is something we talked about before training camp started. We trust him. We talked about it. It was like it was scheduled way before training camp, and he will not be here until after Tennessee. 
But okay, hmm. I, I know it's I, I know it's parsing words here a little bit. But when you're asked a question about his availability in Week One, all right, and your and your Todd Bowles, hey, is is he going to be your quarterback Week One? Right. Quote. Obviously, there's always going to be doubt, but I have a pretty high level of confidence. Yes. It seems to me that if you're sure that Tom Brady's going to be your quarterback in Week One, you answer that question, guys. Yeah. There's nothing to worry about. He's going to be our quarterback week one. He's going to be out there. He didn't answer it that way. He kind of gave this vague, weird, my level of confidence is rather high. He'll be our quarterback. I think everybody's going to speculate because he did retire for 40 days. He did retire for 40 days. And when he retired, he said, this is difficult for me to write. Um, uh, He goes, there is a physical, mental, and emotional challenge every single day that has allowed me to maximize my highest potential. I've tried my best the past 22 years. There are no shortcuts to success on the field or in life. But here it goes. I am not going to make that competitive commitment anymore. I've loved my NFL career. Now it's time to focus my time and energy on other things that require my attention. So he retired. Tired for 40 days, then he comes back. Now he's missing a lot of practices in camp, and he's not going to be there. And I think it's fair to question, what's going on? Yeah. What's it, going on? Is, it is. It, is he going to come back and play, or is he really just... Is his maybe his heart's not in it? It's possible, right? We don't know. Sure, but is it, but he said there are no shortcuts to success on the field. That you know that you got to work. You got to work. I got to get my guys. I got to work. I mean, unless Tom Brady thinks, look, I could just show up week one and be great, and he probably can. <laughs> he's probably the only guy Brady. that can. Yeah, he's Tom Brady. Um, but it, you do. You, I would if I'm. I would question it if I'm a Tampa fan right now. Is he going to play or is he not going to? And play? it hasn't been a great camp for the Bucks in the sense of the injuries. Uh, they're starting center oh, Ryan Jensen went down with a serious knee injury earlier this week. Their backup center went down for a spell. Now he came back and everything was fine. But Ryan Jensen went down. He's a big deal. You know they've lost a lot of their interior line to free agency, so there have been some changes there. Mike Evans is dealing with a hamstring injury. Russell Gage left practice with a leg injury this year, or this week, I should say. Brashad Perryman has been injured for most of the training camp. Is it at least why you don't possible pay to suggest that Brady came back to camp and kind of went through the motions and said, you know what? I misread my heart. I thought I wasn't read. My buddy's Gronk isn't here. I don't think he's coming back well, at any point. Does he feel that the team's not going to be competitive? Or does he, he feel He like- doesn't want to go out like that. You don't want to go out getting your ass kicked is, and win six or seven games. Yep. Is he looking around and going, new coach, we're missing a bunch of guys because of injury, we're losing a bunch of guys in free agency, this is not the team I can end my career on because this is a team that's not good enough to win a championship. Is it at least possible? That thought's yeah, not. I mean, listen, you don't know what's going on in people's personal lives, too. I mean, we, we don't know. I mean, maybe there is something, maybe it's, maybe there is something going on family-wise that, that needs his attention right now, and so that that's more important. And to him, after all he's accomplished, I mean, I got to take care of this. I mean, may, you know, his family's going to be more important right now than football. And if there's something going on with his family, maybe it's just a short break and he needs to be. We just don't know. Yeah. But it does lead to a lot of speculation because he's just not around. Yeah. Uh, Todd Bowles said he just didn't want to take reps away from other guys. A lot at this time because he wanted to get in and get chemistry with the guys and go through two weeks of training camp knowing he wasn't going to play the first two games. Uh, he didn't want to take away reps from Blaine and uh, Kyle and as well as Griff as far as going into these next two games. Oh, yeah, Blaine. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. I would have had to look it up. I forgot yeah. who the backup quarterback there was. Blaine Gabbert. Blaine right. Gabbert's the backup Speaking quarterback. Speaking of quarterbacks, this news just coming down from the Associated Press. Okay. According to the AP, Deshaun Watson would accept 
an eight-game suspension uh-huh. and pay a $5 million fine okay. to resolve the situation. So a little negotiation here. Sounds like it. Sounds like he's leaking out there to the media. Hey, because it's a plea deal. It's like a plea deal. The NFL and Watson can still reach an agreement before. Yes. You know, they they can still negotiate their own agreement. It doesn't have to become the the guy who's hearing the appeals case or they can come up with their own thing. So it sounds like Watson's floating this idea of, hey, look, eight games. I'll give you five million dollars. Can we just call it a day? Can you I'll keep? play half the season, yep. and instead of paying basically no fine, I'll pay you five million bucks. Can we meet in the middle? But that may not be in the middle. No, because the NFL wants a seventeen-game suspension. Yeah, and he got six, so, so the- that's eleven more games. It's like well, you'd have to say, susp- meet me in the middle between what I got and what you want would be more like I missed 12 games, 13 games, right? I you mean, almost feel that if he misses any more than half the season, this season's a lost season. If he misses any more than half. Unless they go get Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> unless they get Jimmy G. Okay, would you take the deal if you're Roger Goodell? You've added two more games, you got $5 million bucks, or do you go for it all? Do you go for the jugular? I think you go for the jugular. jugular. I can't talk today. I think you go for the jugular on this one. I think you I can't talk any days. <laughs> so welcome to my welcome to my world. Now you know how I feel. Now you know how I feel. So this is how it I'm not is. Really this good is speaker. how it is. This, this I talk is, for a living. This is what it's like to talk for a living like. and not be a good like speaker. Man, stumble on your words and everything like yeah. This uh, this is hard. How do you do this? I, every well, day? I think the, the the lack of like the like you know you and Bickley and you know, you guys were like Vince and you guys were like expanded vocabularies. Like I, you know, I just try to get the basic word out. You know that everybody understands. You guys come up with words that nobody a lot a lot of people don't understand. Stand and always jealous of that expansive vocabulary that you guys have. Sorry, like you guys read dictionaries. Sorry, what well, was it? You guys read dictionaries. Yeah, Lick, was, mm-hmm. ice violently. Okay, mm-hmm. again, out of context. Drops from Dave Burns. I could write a book. You guys played Scrabble and were probably really good at it. I was pretty good at Scrabble. I'm like dog, cat, <laughs> farm. <laughs> House. You know, okay, you know that Wordle game you play every day? So I found a movie game that's like Wordle. Yeah. And I embarrassed myself today by how quickly I got the right answer. Was, oh, you're you're a rain man. It was so bad. You're was, a rain man. They showed me an image. It's like you you they show you a, a a still photo from the movie, and you have to guess the movie. And they give you like eight guesses, and then they give you the answer if you can't get it. I got it in the second try. First try. And I'm like, oh, but something's wrong Give me with something me. more challenging. No, 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 it wasn't that. I, it was, I was hard? I was, no, it was easy. And I thought, there is something wrong with me. How I shouldn't know you shouldn't that. know all of that stuff. I shouldn't be able to look at one still shot from the movie Moulin Rouge and know that that is yeah, Moulin Rouge. I, don't I know. shouldn't know that. Maybe you should have played a sport when you were younger. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe <laughs> kickball or dodgeball. or <laughs> that, You should have joined the track team. Or, I was at the movies the whole time. Yeah. I, was, I was too busy to do all Lift that stuff. I was with some was, friends outside. Ah, I was inside a cold movie theater every summer. That's all I did. Handball? Yeah, the courts? Yeah, nothing, I played a little basketball when I was a kid. A little soccer when yeah, I was a okay. kid. That's about it, there but go. wasn't very good at it. When we come back, the Arizona Cardinals are about 24 hours away from preseason game number one. What have we taken away from their camp up until this point? That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show.